Hey, this is the last Sunday of this year. Amen? And it's, it's a good time to be together. And, and I, I want to thank Adam for letting me uh, bring uh, one of the two last messages of the year. You know, I, I thought in the beginning he was just saving the best for last with me and Colton. But then he said that he'd called other people and he couldn't, with their schedule, he couldn't get them to, to fill in. So uh, unfortunately, you're all stuck with me today. And, but, uh, uh, you know, I encourage you to, uh, to come out tonight and support Colton. And I know uh, he's been meeting with Adam over the past few weeks and wants to do more. And, and you know what? It, it's, it's hard to come up here and, uh, and speak at times i know sometimes you know you don't know that you're all a little scary at times so you know it's good to come out and, and support our young people you know they are the church of tomorrow and uh let's let's support him in that endeavor uh so c- come back tonight and you know if we look past uh you know this is the week of the the year i call the the christmas letdown you know it's we're on leading up to christmas you know we have the the you know the euphoria and all the christmas music and and you know presents and and unwrapping and and our family functions and you know there's food as well and all the good things and then after christmas you know there's like has anyone done a huh yet you know uh you know it's funny how you know this is the week that a lot of people start taking down their Christmas decorations. Our church is still beautifully decorated. Anybody got their Christmas tree down yet? Oh, there's only a couple. So there's, I'm not in the, I'm in the same boat. Amen. I know some of you have like four and five Christmas trees. So it's going to take you a little while to get all that put down and put back, or six. <laughs> that's, that's like, more rooms than I have in the house almost so uh I I know you all love Christmas and stuff like that and and taking it down and getting all that stuff put back together takes some time but this also is a week that we start to look forward this also is the week that that leads up to New Year's and it's a time when you know we not only reflect on the past and what took place over this past year but also a time to start focusing on what's coming in the next year we start to think about this thing called New Year's resolutions. Anyone started to think about their New Year's resolution? Or have you, are you one that says, you know, my resolution is not to have any resolutions? Who, who's in that b- ballpark? Exactly. There's a few of you there as well. And, uh, you know, those resolutions that, you know, we, we are very uh, uh, high on our priority the first week of January. And somewhere between January 15th and February 1st, it's kind of like, what was that again? What did I make? You know, they seem to be forgotten. You know, I want us to think, to take a moment to think about a, a resolution that lasts a little bit longer. The question that I have for us today is, how do you not lose the mission of the church after this holiday season is over? You know, for uh, Christians, you know, the two big holidays, right? Christmas and Easter. And we're all hyped up and we, we all are excited about that. But if, if we're not careful, we can fall into a religious rut, We can just be going through the motions and not truly have Christ 
the focus of our life? How can we embody this miracle of Jesus that we serve, not only at Christmas, but the whole year long? How do we make memories and do good things and we still encompass and and incorporate the mission of the church into our daily activities? See, we must never forget that when we are at our worst, God gave us his best. When we were at our very worst, God gave us the person, Jesus Christ. If you're going to take notes and, and anything, that I want you to write this down. Tammy says I need three points in all my sermons, so I, I made a point to, to have three points today, Tammy. So I, I've got three points today. So the first point, if you're going to write this down, is the ideal of following Jesus is to learning to participate in all that life has to offer, but to live life like nothing matters. I know that's a lot, so it's a big point, so I'm going to read it again. The ideal of following Jesus is learning to participate in all that life has to offer, but to live as nothing in this life matters. You know, there are Facebook pictures of kids and grandbabies and, and pictures of birthday parties and, and all those memories that show up in this thing called time hop. You know, it's things that you took like seven years ago and they show up on your phone somehow. It's like magic of some sort. And you could, you could uh, bring back fond memories of things that happened in the past, of all the good things. You know, there's this thing, Instagram and those posts on Twitter about big wins of the, our favorite sports team. You know, go UK for beating Louisville yesterday. That's a big sports win. It's all over Twitter. Or who won the voice? You know, you had to vote by going on Twitter and so forth like that. See, we aren't called to abstain from this life, but to live in a way that would be pleasing to God. We followers of Christ exist to lead others to discover a new life in Christ. See, we have to guard against wanting to make church about us and not about the God that we serve. We have to guard against wanting to make church about us and and not about the mission that he has given each of us as a person and a mission that he's also given to us as a church. See, when I reflect back on 2018, it's easy to see how Interruptions and distractions can happen at any time for any reason. I would definitely say this has been uh, the year for definitely interruptions and distractions for, for me and my family this year. This has probably been one of the most challenging years that I think I can remember in my past. Anyone else thinks this year has been a challenging year? Yeah. Amen. You know, Tessa graduating from high school and, and 
all that uh, parties and so forth like that, and then going off to college and, and you know, uh, Tammy's cancer return and having surgery and, and all that. that. That's a lot to, to take in. In, in, in a year, I, I know there's been other people that have struggled this year. You know, the death of my uncle on Christmas Day. You know, unex, uh, wouldn't say unexpected, but you know, uh, passing away so quickly, and, and so forth, and, and that that was not planned or, or or thought about. You know, there's there's been many of us who have lost family members. People who have lost jobs and people who lost their homes and, and a lot of changes have happened in, in not only our congregation but in, in our friends and families lives to the, this year. We can look back at all those things. A lot of changes in our church this year, right? We got a new pastor and, and, and a new family and, uh, uh, you know, and getting to know them and, and them getting to know us and, and, and so forth. And, you know, that's been a big change and, and, and so forth for, for not only them, but for us as a church to, to, uh, uh, rally around them and put our arms around them. And, and I'm so appreciative that, you know, we've got a, a, a man that, uh, is called of God to be here and, and to be part of us. I know I, I know there are others here today that could say the very same thing, that this has been a tough year. We're going to read a story, a, a most famous story, and it's going to be Acts 9, and we're going to look there, and we're going to see about how an individual's life really gets interrupted and, and, and how life can, can be truly uh, on a course and a path and, and, and so forth, and all of a sudden uh, the course gets changed. Uh, is everyone there on Acts 9 right now? Are, are we there? And it says in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners into Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting he replied now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless they heard the sound but did not see anyone Saul got up from the ground but when he opened his eyes he could not see anything so they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Taurus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias, come and place hands upon him to restore his sight. 
Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on his name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes so that he could see again. He got up. And was baptized. Let's have a, a prayer on the word. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these ancient writings that you have given us. That we could come and learn and grow about how great of a God you are. And how you have the ability to change lives in every person. Dear Lord, we ask that... that if we are not changed, that you speak directly to us today, that we can leave this building a different person. In Jesus' name, amen. See, we see here that Paul had a divine interruption. He had a divine course of action. We see that he thought he had his life all figured out. He had a good job. He was getting promoted. He was moving up the ladder. He, he was uh, well educated. See, he thought he had this whole thing figured out. And he had this, his whole life planned out about how he was going to progress and how he was going to move up into uh, the uh, uh, Sandrigan court and, and how he was a Pharisee. And he said he was a Pharisee of all Pharisees that, and that he was very, very in tune to, to this work that he was given. If we know that he was there at the stoning of Stephen and, and he, was, he did his job so well that it, the news had spread out to all the land about who this Saul was and who this person was. We see in this passage that Saul didn't want or thought that he needed to change. But God said that he could not use him until he did. You see, our God, our God that we serve, see, he is a disruptive force. You see it by his very nature that he is disruptive. And all scripture points to that. Let's read in Isaiah 45.5. If you've got your Bibles with you, let's, let's turn to that. And, at this, and I'll give you a moment to get there. Isaiah 45.5. I'll let you get your glasses on and stuff like that so you can, you can see the small print now. You get your phones in tuned. And, uh, you know, Isaiah is writing here. And it's, um, he's known as one of the greatest uh, 
writings of the prophets. And, and, and his name means the Lord saves. And it's probably at a time in, in, in the nation of Israel's most hardest and most difficult, challenging time of, of their history that, that he writes this. And, and it starts in, in verse 5, and I'm going to go through a few verses here. And, and, and it's very pointed and to, and, and to the point. In 45 verse 5 it starts, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me there is no God. I will strengthen you though you have not acknowledged me. So that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I formed the light and created darkness. I bring prosperity and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. To, to, par- to paraphrase the, this thing, it says, I am God and you're not. I don't fit into your plans. You fit into mine. I'm a God that isn't going to fit into your schedule or your calendar. How many of us today view church like a box that we check off each week? Yep, I did the church thing. I checked it off. I've done my duty for this week. I can move on. We serve a God that that does not fit into our calendar. He's a God that changes your calendar. He's a God that things revolve around him, even though our society wants things to revolve around us. He is telling us that I'm not going to fit into your story, but I am inviting you into mine. I'm not a God over just the good things in your life, but I'm also over the trials in your, th- in your life as well. I'm not a distant deity. I'm a present force. I thought someone would say amen for that. I'll say it myself, amen. He's saying to Paul, you may think you're okay, but I'm going to bend you and mold you into something that I can use, and you're probably not going to like it. Because right now, you are not the man that I need you to be. Is God looking at us today and saying we are the person that he needs us to be? He's saying to to Saul here, I'm going to use you in ways that you can't even imagine at this point. See, Saul thought he had it all figured out. He had his career path on track. See, the problem is that with you and me, we don't like interruptions or distractions, right? We do our very best to eliminate both of these from our life, right? We have calendars, we have outlook and things that we write down schedule. Does anybody write down their schedule every day? Write down the to-do list of things that they have to do? Am I the only person that does that? I have a huge list every day. There's a few others not wanting to admit it, but uh, that's that I organize my day. The first thing I do in the in the morning when I get to work, I I write down my to do list, where I need to be, who I need to see, what time I need to be there. Because what because what do we do when we don't do that? We're afraid we're going to do what? Forget something, right? That's what that's our fear is that we're going to forget something important that we're doing. 
See, we do our very best to eliminate both these from our lives. But you know what? Divine interruptions often come in a form of daily distractions. We can call these God moments, but most of the times these aren't planned or scripted. I personally have missed way too many times and way too many God moments because of my own self getting in the way. Yesterday we were working on the parsonage over there and, and, a, and a neighbor came over to, to borrow a wrench. And, you know, we were, we were enthralled in, in trying to get the cabinets up over there and, and scratching our head and bumping our heads and, and stuff like that to get things done. And, and someone come over. And as soon as he, he left and, and so forth and, and brought it back, I thought, you know, that was an opportunity to invite someone. That was a God moment that was missed. I can assure you, if I see that man again, I won't miss the opportunity. But that is an opportunity that was missed yesterday because I was so involved in, on, on the task at hand. Who here are task-oriented people? Is anyone else task-oriented? They, you know, you've got a mission to do and you're going to get it done no matter what. See, this God thing is what we have to view as not an interruption or a distraction. The question is, are you looking for those divine interruptions in your life today? Are you planning on taking a trip to the grocery store, a PTA meeting, to the post office, a trip to your jumbo coffee place out there, or, or just somewhere uh, to, to, to just have a moment of peace um, a, a few weeks ago, we met a lady who uh, is a grandmother, and, and unfortunately, she's in the situation in her life that she is now raising her her two grandkids, one being two years old. And, and, and she said that she was not prepared to be in the point of her life that she's raising kids all over again. And not only that, a two-year-old that has developmental issues. She said uh, uh, she would get a babysitter and she would go to Walmart to, to get a few things. And, and, and she, she said that she would be there for two hours just to get a break. Just to get away from all the things in life that have, have come her way and through her, her life circumstances and her family's circumstances. That, that now she's in this place that she gets an opportunity. Now I can assure you knowing that situation... The kids are well, much better off being with the grandmother than with the mother. But she was not planning on this interruption of her life having to do this. How many times in, in our life are we the same way that we don't want interruptions? We want our plan to work out. See, the problem is our plan is not always God's plan. As you see here with Saul, that, that our God is a disruptive force. Church, I want to remind you that of that very thing. Point number two, if you're taking notes, Tammy, point number two. God will disrupt your plans. He didn't say he might. 
He didn't say he intends to. I say that he will. And I think that's based on the power of Scripture, that he is a disruptive God. It might not be the encounter on the road with a bright light that will leave you blind for three days, but I can assure you it can be life-altering and life-changing. You know, this disruptive plan, a lot of times, most of the time it's welcome. Sometimes it's welcome, but most of the time it's not. Sometimes it, it may be a conversation that needs to be had that you just don't want to have. Sometimes it's the neighbor next door that you've been meaning to share your faith with, but don't. Maybe it's at, you're at your uh, you're a teacher and you're at your desk and, and the teacher down the hall always wants to come and, and chat about the weekend or their problems or whatever and, and you're trying to get your things done. You're trying to get your papers graded and you got to try to get your things and that person just wants to, you know, you feel like the, the little tension gets into, you know, the, in the middle of your back and goes up to your neck like, you know, all right, I got to get things going. Or the, the person at the office that, you know, you, you've got your, your list of things you're, you're getting done and, and the day is halfway open and you're over and you've only got the first three done. And you're thinking, all right, I've got to pick up the pace. And someone comes in and says, oh, you got a minute? You know when they say that, it never lasts just a minute. Have you noticed that? Fifteen minutes, you're still there. Or, or maybe it's the neighbor that, that is always coming over and, and, and borrowing something or, or maybe a tool or something. Maybe, maybe it's that. But, and, and a lot of times we look at those as being inconvenience. Or you go to the grocery store. Has anyone ever been to the grocery store and you absolutely meet everybody you see there? It's like, how did everybody decide to come grocery shopping at the exact same time? Especially, it always happens to me when I'm in a hurry, I'm only going to go get one thing and come back out. And they'll say, what took you so long? Well, do you know how many people I talk to? It'd just be rude not to say hello. But those things sometimes are God things. Sometimes those are God interruptions that we are designed to have in our day. Maybe it's the brother or sister that you only see at Christmas and Easter that is lost and needs to know about Christ. You know, I went to my uncle's funeral this past week, and I, and I, and I can tell you, dying on Christmas wasn't in his plan. He knew it was his time to go, but I can assure you, dying on Christmas Day was not in his plan. How many times in our life that we think that we've got it all figured out? See, these God prompts, the, the person that keeps coming to our mind, and but we continue to push it out, that person that keeps coming to our mind that we should call or we should stop by or we should check on. And I said, well, I'll do, it. I'll do it tomorrow or I will do it when I get home tonight or I'll get, do it when... The weekend comes, but then we get so busy with those things that we forget that. And, and the next day or the next week comes out, I meant to. I wanted to, and I should have. But we didn't do any of those. See, I think we have to be on guard against that. I think we have to listen to the voice that God gives us for these 
God prompts. See, if you're a believer and you're a follower of Christ, your time is God's time. Your time is not your own. We are not promised tomorrow. Sharing your story, sharing your faith, sharing your testimony. It may be something that you're not, that you don't feel worthy to do, but I can tell you in the scripture, it's the obedience to Christ that we are called to. Did you see in verse 2 here? It says that Saul asked for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if anyone found that belonged to the way, whether man or woman, that he may take them prisoner. The early Christians called themselves the way because in their mind they felt salvation for early Christians was a journey and a goal which was to be with God. The use of the word way or the way in the New Testament refers to a concrete action seen throughout the entire gospel. The way was amplified by Jesus, which played out his obedience and to his death on the cross and to his resurrection and a course that is to be followed by his followers. We are to be crucified in Christ Jesus. In John 14, 6, it says, We are told that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me ask you, Central, when was the last time God has interrupted your plans? When was the last time that you were disruptive in your life? Jesus doesn't always fit into our plans, but I can assure you, most of the times that God has interrupted my plans, I have been better off for it. I've been more thankful for it. Some of my greatest blessings have come from the times that God has interrupted my life. In verse 7, it says, The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless when they heard the sound but not see anyone. How many times have you viewed God's work and been utterly speechless? How many times have you seen God's work and, and sit there in just total awe about what he's done? I want to tell you that God is working today. He's working today in the people around us. He's working in the people in this neighborhood. He's working in the people in this church. He's working in our city. See, we just have to join him with the work that he's already doing in people's lives around us. Don't think God is not working because he is. God is just inviting us into his story. It says that Saul had to be led by the hand. You know, when I read scripture, it's funny how just certain things just pop out to me. 
And when I, when I, I seen and read that this morning about being led by the hand, you know, uh, what I instantly thought of is when I was a little kid and, you know, we lived out in Lewisburg and we would go what we called, we were going to Maysville. We're going to Maysville. And at that time, Maysville was downtown. Maysville was downtown. It wasn't what we call on the hill now. It was downtown. And I can remember whenever we would uh, do, and when we'd go, we'd spend all day. It, it's a day affair. You'd pay bills. You'd go grocery shopping. You'd, you'd go visit people and stuff. And, but when we went to town, when we went to Maysville, I can remember as a small child, and we were getting ready to cross Forest Avenue or, or 2nd Street, my mother would grab us by the hand. She'd take us by the hand and we'd cross the street together. She grabbed our hands so we would be safe. She grabbed our hands because she wanted us to make it to the other side. See, God wants to take us by the hand today. The only difference is that we have to put our hand in His, we have to place our hand in His. Point number three, I got them all in. God wants, God will not only interrupt your plans, but he will also interrupt your place in life. And what do I mean by this? You know, we all have a place in life, for better or worse. Our place may be mom, it may be dad, it may be teacher, it may be coach, it may be player. It may be husband, it may be wife, it may be businessman, it may be manager, it may be retired, whatever the labels that we carry are. It may be failure, it may be screw up, it may be I'm a smoker, it may be I'm a drinker, it may be I'm a gambler. Whatever your label is, in your mind, that's your place. This is who I am. This is my label. In this story, Paul had a label. His label was persecutor of the Christians. The people of the way. The destroyer of the people. Destroyer of this new cause. But Jesus can change your label. Because our God not only will change your plan, but he will also change your place. Because it's this crazy thing called grace. See, we work in, our, in this society to build up our place and to hold on to that place, but Jesus changes that place in an instance with just an invitation. You know, this is the only place that we can come and, and, and go from being an outcast, a second-class citizen, to a son and daughter of the king in a moment. Isn't that amazing? The only place that you can go from being an outcast to saved in an instant. See, in this day, Saul was hated. Saul was persecuting the Christians. But see, that day, Saul's place was changed forever. In verse 13, it says, Lord... Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief police to arrest all who call on your name. 
See, that's the problem. This is the answer. The Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to their kings, and to the people of Israel. See, Saul had no idea what God's plan was for him. He just met Jesus on that road, blinded by this light. See, God disrupted his life. God can disrupt what we call our quiet lives. You know, we got it all figured out. But he does it for his namesake and for his glorious name. That what this disruptive God does, but only if we are open to God's spirit. I want to give you a warning today. This is point number four, so I'm, I'm one over. So I'm, I'm doing good. I got four points today, so I made up for some of the others. I got a warning here, and I want you to write this down. People with the prideful refusal for their plans to be interrupted by God the prideful refusal for their plans to be disrupted by God. I want to tell you now, church, God opposes the proud. God can use people full of shame and guilt. And I've seen him do it time and time again. God will use people who has their lives full of regrets. God can use people full of hang-ups and problems and issues. What God won't use is a man and woman full of pride. We live in a culture that is counter to that. We live in a culture that is obsessed with self. And that self is called pride. And you know what? Everyone in this room is, is, is acceptable to falling into that trap. Because it's this powerful thing called pride because it's everywhere around us. It's almost in the air that we breathe. It's on the radio. It's on TV. It's everywhere around us. It's in our friends and so forth. See, Paul could have blown this whole thing off as a fluke. He could have justified it by science, a thing, whatever. But you know what? He gave in to God's interruption. He let God be God. It goes on and says that Ananias went to the house and entered in and placing his hands upon Paul and said, Brother Lord, Brother Saul the Lord, Jesus appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. He has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. See, Saul pushed his pride aside, and he got a brand new place in life. And as we know the story, he got a brand new name as well. He went from a persecutor to the person that was probably the most instrumental in spreading the gospel to the entire nation, the entire ancient world. 